This is City Group Sunday, and we let me just give you some context. Um, in our church family, um, uh, we don't have small groups that meet every single week all the time. You're not, uh, we don't have groups that you can go to midweek all the time. You sign up to a group of people that you're together with for life, kind of like a jail sentence. Uh, here at Vine Life, we take a seasonal approach to our small groups. So three times a year for six to eight weeks, we dive into a particular area that the Lord's highlighted for us, and we want to go deeper in that area. So all across the city this week, we'll be gathering in homes to really go after uh, what we're calling the story, uh, our journey with the Bible. And uh, in, in doing so, we want to uh, believe for and have an expectation that our church family, user individuals, that we as a community would go deeper in our value, appreciation, love for, and hunger for the Word of God. That, um, that something would happen in this next six-week six period that would spark a, uh, a, a renewal a refreshing of our heart towards God's word and that God would do something extravagant in these next few weeks together. So if you haven't signed up for a a city group, I believe there are a handful of places left um, and you can do that over our info point afterwards if you hadn't managed to do that. But that's going to be our next six weeks. But every time we launch into a city group season, we will have a city group Sunday, mainly because all all of that just rhymes and sounds nice. Um, But this is our city group Sunday where we, uh, where I hopefully will highlight at, at a very basic level um, some of the things that we want to hold on to as we launch into this uh, next season of time and as we establish some really important things in our lives individually and our lives corporately. So I want to be, uh, I want to be highlighting this, this morning um, the, the very starting place of this journey that we are going to be looking over the next six weeks in these city groups at the story, our journey with the Bible. So this morning, uh, as we set sail on this journey together, my aim is to really highlight the beautiful story of Scripture, the beautiful story of the Bible. And in doing so, hopefully um, land on one particular thing that I, I really feel like God wants to address in us um, that has become something of a stumbling block as we individually take this journey towards going deeper with the Bible. And we'll come on to that as we, as we move through this morning. But I'm, I'm really convinced that over the next few weeks through city groups, we'll start a conversation together in small groups across the city and as a, as a church family where we get to, at some level, reset and renew and refresh our relationship with God's Word. And I say that really with faith and belief and confidence, knowing that as we go after this with conviction individually, and we go after this corporately with a willingness to stir up the hunger for God's Word, that actually this could be a really defining season in your life and my life and our lives together as we approach building on a foundation of God's Word. Like, that's my heart desire. That's why I believe it's on God's heart for us, and that's why I'm excited about these next few weeks together. I want to start this morning by um, by asking you a question. Um, if you, this is for Andy, a question, very good. Um, if you were to use one word, if you were to describe your relationship with God's word, with the Bible, with one word, what would that word be? I'll give you five seconds. One word to describe your relationship with the Bible. All right, what were some of those things? This is participation. You have to shout at me. Exciting. That's a good one. Not what I was thinking, but it was a good one. Sporadic. Thank you for your honesty. 
This is where the role of honesty comes. Pivotal, yeah. Light, good. Hope, life-changing. All right, how about some more real honest ones in the realm of where I was thinking, which is when I reflect on my relationship with the Bible, there's an element of tinge of disappointment and dissatisfaction. Any others in that sort of ballpark? Or it's maybe me. Maybe this whole series is literally just for me. I often find that, that I'm preaching on things that the Lord wants to radically change in me. Any others? Process. Very good. One more. Hard. Unfolding. That's a great word. Listen, can we agree perhaps that in the, in the range of, of words that even have just been shouted out, could we agree that maybe for each one of us that we, we could be in a position where we think there, there is more? Could we maybe think that and believe for the fact that wherever we are, whether it's, whether our, whether, you know, whether it's inconsistent or hope filled, whether it's challenging or delightful, that actually we could, we could agree as a church family that there's more. There's more for us to step into. There's more for us to experience whatever our current experience is of the Bible. In fact, I want to pray to that end. Father, I thank you that at the beginning of this journey, that Holy Spirit, you would come alongside us and you would, in only the way that you can do, you would make a light and alive your word. God, that even as we look at the big picture this morning, that as we take a journey with you, that Holy Spirit, we would take you by the hand and you would lead us into light and life. And truth. And I, Father, I thank you that it is, it is your delight to, to unravel this beautiful love story of how you wanted us and you'd put it in the pages of a Bible forever, your word, that it could be a light unto our path, that it could define and shape the way that we see ourselves, the way that we see you and the way we see the world around us. So Father, help us in this season. Make alive what needs to come alive in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to start by, by just saying that I believe there's more for us in this journey with God's Word. I believe that for myself. I, I think I'd be, I'd be right in saying that for, for probably the majority in here, there would be that sense of, I can agree with that. There's more for me to walk into. There's more for me to experience when it comes to my relationship with the Bible. And so I want to, uh, in some way, span out in very simple terms where we're at with, with this book. Like, what is this book? And ultimately, from that place, as we launch into this season, for, for things to come alive in your relationship with Father God through his word, that maybe uh, he wants to breathe on in a new way in this season. I want to say that the, the Bible, it isn't a third-party um, literary work. It's a detailed, big story, where ultimately, if we if we understand it correctly and we and we're able to approach it correctly we can step into this word we can step into this narrative this story and we can find our purpose we can find our destiny and we can find our story in his story like that's the starting point for me in simplest terms i believe that 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 his story is my story and my story is his story and so in some level, we have to, we have to move from, away from thinking that in some way our approach is a, an ad- academic, cerebral exercise of information-based transfer into, no, 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 my life sits in the context of this Bible. My life sits in the context of this story, this narrative, this word. Um, 
there's two um, uh, theologians from the States who, who write quite extensively together, um, Jay Duval and Jay Hayes. You know they are higher academics because they never tell you their first name. So it's Jay Duval and Jay Hayes. They said this in the book that they wrote on living God's word. They said, everyone believes in or buys into a big story, whether they realize it or not. The only question is which great story will we accept as the one that tells the truth about the way things really are? Which guiding story will we claim as our story? And I believe that the challenge for every believer, every follower of Jesus is to, is to embrace the Bible, not simply as a book to be studied uh, or to gain information from, but as a living narrative in which and through which my life becomes a living example of the truth that I find. That in some way that my journey with the Bible allows the mirror of this word, the mirror of God's word to be reflected in and through my life to the world around me. That actually I'm a, I'm a living translation of the very truth that we find in God's word. And that's really the, the heart of, of a relationship with the Bible. That it, it, it's transitioning from thinking that this is in some way uh, a book that is to deliver information for me to consider uh, at a cerebral level and, and moving it into a narrative story in which I find my story coming alive. That's why I believe that, that when we read God's word, our, our life story can come alive in the context of, of knowing and understanding and, and, and putting our belief and trust in this word of God. And so my relationship with, with scripture, it, it then changes because I have a key relationship with the key character. I have a, a relationship with, with the story that, that my life story is, is understood in the light of and is grafted into this, this Bible story, this God story. That in some way that actually my life is, is grafted into the plot of this, of this, this Bible. That ultimately the, um, the high point of this, this story, the climax of this story actually becomes the high point of my life. Now, if that's the case, our journey with scripture has to be one where we, where we step inside this beautiful story and not simply keep it at arm's length. Another quote for you, um, another academic, John, um, Golden Gay says this. He said, in general, the biblical story is designed to enable us to discover who we are. This involves our telling us our own story, but doing so in the context of the Bible story. We find ourselves by setting ourselves in that other story. It shows us who we are and what our story means. So there's a, a, a big overarching story, a big narrative that we find in God's word. And over the next six weeks, we'll, we want to dive into the various different facets of that story together so it can come alive in, in greater depth and greater meaning for each one of us. Um, but our journey with the, with, with the Bible is really discovering, yes, God's character, but also it's discovering the plot of this story. It's discovering the high point of this story. It's discovering there's a deep message that lies on, in, in and through the pages of this Bible. And it's a central journey for each one of us to take because this story helps us discover our new life. It helps us discover our identity. And it tells the story of our new life to, to a world that, 
that gets to discover that same story for themselves. That's really ultimately what evangelism is, is us taking this radical story that we find in God's word, making it alive and real in our own story, and then begin to live that out so others around us can be pulled into the same story, the same God who sent his son to die for them. This is the high point of our story. And so in essence, the, the Word of God, it is a transformational, powerful story. It's transformational in the fabric of history. It's transformational in, in the personal thread of my own life. It, it's transformational to my future. But it's transformational to those lives that you don't yet know that there's a story that God's told about them and they get to step into it as well. And so it, in... In looking at this big story, this big narrative, there are some story elements that we can find in scripture that we can, that we can anchor ourselves to, that can keep us on track in this relationship, in this journey with scripture. First of all, there is, there is this reality that in this, this big story is made up and is gradually unfolded through multiple little stories. The Bible tells a, a multitude of stories, but it's one in its complete form. It tells an overarching story, a single big story, a single great narrative. But there are elements that make up any great story. And we find them in this great story of the Bible. First of all, we'll find that the our story has a beginning, it has a middle, and it has an end. The our story has a, a main character. That our story has a plot. Our story has a, a high point, a climax. Our story has a hero. And our story has a very big message to tell us. And this, these elements are, are simple, yet they're, they're incredibly profound. And they make up our Bible. They're simple enough for each one of us to take hold of, but they're profound enough to keep us on the right path as we journey with the Bible. Listen, there are, there are literally dozens of ways that we can approach Scripture. I literally spent three years at theological college being bamboozled by many of them. There are complex ways that we can approach Scripture thematically. We can look at it through hermeneutics. We can look at it through a historical lens. There are so many different approaches that we can approach the Bible. There are some very simple elements that we can hold fast to. And focusing on these elements of story, and story is very familiar to us. We grew up listening to story, right? And I'm not saying that, that, that we're, we're looking at fundamental story elements because this is in some way a fictional book. No, this is a historical, accurate, detailed description of, of God. It's not a fairy tale. It's not, it's not fiction, but there are elements that we can find that we, that keep us on track. And actually, they keep us from, they keep us focused. They keep us from avoiding getting sidetracked. And ultimately, they, these simple elements really help us recognize that, that the Bible is really, um, is really for us in our experience of personal encounters with God. Something we have to build upon is that it's reality. What we find in God's word is an invitation into a personal encounter with God. So I want to look at these story elements quite simply and quite quickly this morning to help give us a foundation as we launch into this season together. So as I've said, every great story hinges around a beginning, a middle, and an end. And our Bible story is no different. It is a big story, and it has a beginning. And like so many, um, so many good stories, 
that start with a once upon a time, our story starts literally in the beginning God created. It starts at the very beginning, Genesis 1.1. And if you fast forward to the very end and you find in Revelation that our, our happy ever after exists as well. And it's a description in Revelation of what will come. And it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth coming down out of heaven from God. And what ties these two things together, this, this very simple beginning and this very, very hope-filled end, is that actually it's all based around creation. The beginning and the end are the same thing, and they help us understand really the setting to the whole of our story. And that setting is creation. And the middle is when we journey out into the Bible story where the drama really takes place, where we discover that, that the that, that very first creation, something happened that meant that that creation needed to be recreated, needed to be restored, and ultimately needed to be redeemed to its original design. That when we read the creation story in the beginning, we see not just a, a, a detail of history, but we see a, the architecture of the way Father God built the infrastructure of how he would relate to creation and ultimately how he would relate to you and I. You know, he talked about the fact that, that his design in creation was that, that we would have intimate, that God would have intimacy with humanity, that we would walk and talk in the cool of the day. This is the architecture of, of the relational story of the Bible. And that thread of restoration and redemption holds a defining theme throughout the whole of Scripture. And it defines the, the, our story, it defines the plot of the Bible. So with every story, it has a, a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. Every great story has a key character. And it's the same for our story. And there's a simplicity to the way that we're introduced to the main character. It simply says, again, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. You know, so there is not a great, uh, there is not a first chapter that gives a great detailed description. There are no theological descriptions. There's no arguments towards his existence. There is simply, he is. The presence of God. And so then we're invited to, to read into the rest of Scripture, knowing that this key character of God is somebody that is. That he really is and that he speaks. So instead of descriptions and endless um, propositions or, or uh, descriptions of proof of existence, we're simply just told that he is a true, this is a true historical story and the character in which we base this whole story, this whole story is based around, is God. And then what follows is, is uh, one story after another, another story followed by another story from be the beginning of, of the Bible to the end of the Bible. It is a collection of stories. And other characters are introduced through these stories, but they are all always present in relation to the main character. We see all of these stories, these personalities and nations and situations and, and, and encounters, and we see them all lining up story after story, but they all live subservient to and in relation to the main character, which is God. And because he's the focus, we can, we can stay connected to that, that main character. We can read every passage of Scripture in relation to the fact that it points to the main character rather than the human character in the little stories. And we can read every story with, 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 a, um, with the expectation that we can first discover who is, who is God? What is he like? 
What does he do? And importantly, as we remember that the whole plot was, was built around creation, how, what is his relationship to creation? What is his relationship to humanity that he created? And we can see all this from the beginning to the end of Scripture. But that leads us on to a third thing you find in every good story. Every good story has a plot. And uh, like many stories, our plot finds itself very similarly in the reality of a conflict between good and evil. Right at the very beginning of the story in Genesis 3, we see this interaction, this conflict occurring between a snake that tempts Adam and Eve um, to disobey the only negative command that God had given them, which was to not eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we know as we, as we unpack that story, as it begins, that there are devastating consequences to their choices. And the evil enters the world. And there's a reality in that, in that, in that space that, that humanity chooses a different way to God. And what we become all acutely aware is, is that, is that the plot really height, highlights the fact that in our very nature, that it is, if left to ourselves, that humanity will move towards evil as opposed to good, that we would at times move away from rather than towards God. That's what we see in the context of this conflict between good and evil. And then we see, even as we unpack Scripture, that, that humanity by itself can't deal with the, the mess of chaos that, it, that we create, and that we need something from the outside, someone from beyond ourselves to step in and fix that mess for us. And the devastating situation that forms in the midst of that beginning of that story is really the backdrop to God's incredible plan of redemption. His incredible plan to fix and restore that which humanity broke. And what we see throughout Scripture then in the, in the, in the threads of this plot is that, is that evil that Satan responds as aggressively as he can and as relentlessly as he can to oppose that restoration. And that plot goes on in our own lives, right? We see that, that plot weaved through the thread of Scripture, but it's weaved through our own story that actually we know that at times we have chosen to move away from God and not towards Him. That actually God made a way for, for us to be restored to relationship with him, the things that we did to separate ourselves from him, that he made a way. And yet we know also the reality of that, of that fight with the reality of Satan that will constantly and aggressively try and pull us away from that intimacy of relationship with God. It's weaved through the thread of Scripture, but it's weaved through the reality of my life, which is why I can step into Scripture knowing that there's so much for me to learn in this journey of the Bible. Our story, like every good story, has a high point, has a climax. And the highest point to our story is the cross of Jesus. And like every incredible climax, it is the most dramatic aspect of our big story. This moment when, when God in Jesus unequivocally um, deals with and overcomes Satan evil. When he undeniably wins this conflict between good and evil through his life, his death, and ultimately his resurrection, that he was sent by the Father to live a life, a perfect life that we could never live, 
to die a death, to pay for the penalty of our sin, of the evil that's in the world, but ultimately to, be, to rise again, to conquer death. And this is our high point. This is the beauty of the gospel. It is what sings over the whole of Scripture, what hold, the whole of Scripture points to. And we know that in the midst of this, this high point, we have a hero. It's one of the things that we have to fast learn as people is that we want to be the hero of our own story. But we're not the hero of this story Jesus is. But we get to be his friend. We get to trust and believe in what Jesus did for each one of us on the cross. And that we get to come back into a relationship with Father God. But not just in in a relational sense, but we get to step back into the way that he architected creation at the very beginning. Remember, this is a story about restoring the fullness of his architectured plan. That in creation, he planned for humanity to live in intimacy with him. And when that was broken, that plan needed to be restored in all of its fullness. And so we find in this story, not only do we have a beginning, a middle, and an end, not only do we have a main character, not only do we have a plot, and, a, and a, um, in the midst of that do we have a hero and a climax, but also there is an overarching big message that we can anchor ourselves to at all times. And that is simply this. The big story reveals a very big message, and that message is this. The work of God that restores the world and us to wholeness. This is God's work complete, and this is his big message. That the work of God that restores the world and us to wholeness. You see it through through five unique phases through Scripture, and they all begin with C, which helps Creation, chaos, covenant, the cross, and creation renewed. And first is creation, and it, as we've said, it introduces us to God. And there's this chaos that breaks into the world as, as Satan plays, as, as God and Satan, they play out this conflict, but it's played out in humanity, beginning with Adam and Eve. And then there is covenant, which is ultimately, it's, it's God's assignment. It's, it's God's plan of salvation and restoration. And that begins with Abraham and Sarah and is continued and completed in Jesus as a new covenant. And the cross brings us to that high point, that climax where Satan's defeated finally. And the new creation is restored and creation is brought back into the fullness of its original di- design when Jesus returns. This is the beautiful, overarching message of the Bible. But the amazing thing for us is that this, as I've said, is not a third-party piece of literature. This is not something that we have to keep at arm's length. This is something that we can find our lives built into the fabric of this story. Because the reality is our big story is because it's our big God. This is our big story because it's our God. And the Bible is a detail of how our God has restored the world to wholeness. That's what we find from beginning to end, a narrative of restoring that which God intended. And he intended for us to be known and to him, and for us to be known by him and for us to know him. There is this there is this beautiful plan which is built around relationship, which, which we see in that seed form in Eden. 
that was always supposed to be how it was. But God restored all of that when he was broken. And the beautiful thing is that we get to, with our own lives, step into this story. Allow this story to mark and shape how we live our lives. And just as we close out this morning, I want to go after this one thing that I feel so strongly about. And that is this, that I feel for so many of us, we keep this Bible, this story at arm's length because of shame. I feel for so many of us, and myself included, that, that my relationship with this book has been sporadic and has been disappointing. When I, when I think about what lies ahead for me and my relationship with the Bible, I'm confronted with the reality of my past relationship with this book. That it's one where I've, I've not been fully committed. One where I've started with great passion only to find myself waning very quickly. That ultimately, that, that for some of us, maybe many of us in the room, shame has gripped us. And ultimately, shame is if this it is the belief that I'm unlovable because. And we would say of ourselves that I'm unlovable because I know I'm supposed to read this thing, but I haven't. And shame enters my life. And the crazy thing about that is this is that the Bible story is, a, is an unraveling of the ultimate truth that we are lovable. That's what's crazy, that, that for, for many of us, we keep the reality of this book that screams at us that we are lovable because we don't feel lovable, because we, we have had a poor relationship with this Bible, with this book, with this story. You know, when we read verses like John 3.16, which we all will be familiar with, where it says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. There's a narrative of love which you find in this word that we have to connect our lives to. And all the while we allow shame to be the defining factor as to whether we start this journey, return to this journey, go back to where we once were with this book. All the while we allow shame to define our relationship to this book. We're never, never able to step fully into this un- unrivaled, incredible, beautiful narrative that is a narrative of love. This Bible will consistently and continually scream at you that you are lovable. That God paid everything, even though you were far off, this is love. That whilst you were a long way off, Christ died for you. This is what this story tells you. It's a a love story. And the irony that we would allow shame to keep this book, this story, the reality of this love at arm's length is so tragic. Which is why I believe that this morning there is a fresh start for every single one of us. This is the good news. This is what grace looks like. It is that there is a fresh start, there is a new start, there is a new beginning right now, today, in our relationship with this book. In our relationship with Father God through this book. And for many of us, you know, we would, you know, the reality is that that our, our view of our relationship with this book would be tainted with disappointment. But that ends today. The shame no longer has, has you held away from the reality of the love that this would want to scream at you. And shame can be dealt with in this moment where we say, God, would you give me a new start? Would you give me a new season, a fresh start with your word today? And that's what I want to pray into. So why don't you stand with me? And so just as we close our eyes and pray together, 
And just as we imagine that actually our future and what lies ahead, even in the next six weeks as we journey together with this stuff, that there is a new start on the other side of what we're about to pray. And so I would encourage you, if you would recognize in your own life, you know, I just have a really poor relationship with the Bible. You know, when I think about the Bible, I just look at a disappointing journey of starts and fails. If that's you, if you know that actually you need a, a you need the reality of God's grace to come and to remove shame, I want you to just place your hand on your heart as we pray this morning. Thank you. So Father, I thank you that this morning again, your invitation is loud and clear. That from the beginning of time, from the beginning of your story towards us, it's been a story of love that has captured our hearts. But this morning, God, we, we let go of shame. We let go of guilt. We let go of all the disappointment that maybe has marked our journey with your word. And we say that the, this is the beginning of a new season. This is the beginning of a fresh start with your word. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you'd come in, in the way that you can and always do. You would make alive this new journey with you. The Father, that any sense of duty and obligation would be laid to one side and we would step into an invitation where Father God this morning says, come on a journey to discover just how lovable you are, just how loved you are. I say it from the beginning of my word to the end of my word. Just come and dive in and see your story in his story. So we just declare that this morning is a fresh start for every single one of us. Thank you for your grace and your mercy over our lives. We thank you and we look with great anticipation and great hope to all that you'll do in this season. Would you lay a foundation that, that Father God, you would build on for the rest of our lives? In Jesus' name, amen.